into the contest. It's Wednesday the 2nd of June. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I'm joined by my co-host Shane Lee, who of course has a precocious talent in his family, Young Tom. Is, uh, a, is a goal-scoring machine. Is it under sixes? And you've been talking to potential management. Steve Gillis is trying to hold them all back. He is, mate. He's having a bit of a laugh there. But uh, I'm just hoping I don't turn into Demir Dokic, mate, and become that <laughs> psycho <laughs> parrot on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the fish at the US Open. Remember that? Boy, oh, boy. Oh, we've got a big show on the way today. We've got Australian soccer superstar Kaya Simon with us and former AFL champion, well, he won two premierships with North Melbourne, Corey McKernan. Shane, Pierce Morgan, I tell you what, he does know how to polarise, doesn't he? He's come out and sort of compared Naomi Osaka to Meghan Markle and Harry trying to make out as if she's a drama queen. I think this is completely, it's, it's distasteful. It's out of order. I know that I know he's a shock jock, but we we almost need Brett to bowl another over at him. <laughs> well, Brett nearly killed him, that's for sure. Mate, the guy <laughs> can get a headline. That um, There's no no doubt about that. But, yeah, he's really doubled down on her saying, what, you can't have uh, make a comment to a woman with colour, so he's he's really um, sailing very close to the win there. And uh, look, she's pulled out of the tournament. Um, she clearly has got problems. Uh, let her go. Um, she's not getting paid now, so we can't have a go at her anymore. And uh, it's her choice to pull out. So if she's saying she's got mental problems and she's pulled out, well then let the girl have some rest and um, and get better. Well, it's been a difficult time for everyone right across the mm. world, no matter what you're doing. And, and lots of people have suffered from mental health. You cannot in any way, even on the edges, downplay that. And I just think yeah, absolutely disgraceful behaviour from him. This is Afternoon Sport. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Corey McKernan. There's a stack happening in AFL. Of course, he won two premierships with North Melbourne. AFL time, and boy, oh boy, the competition is, uh, well, it's really facing some challenges again with COVID-19. We're joined by two-time Premiership player with North Melbourne, or North Melbourne, if I can take the T and H and put it in the North. Corey McKernan, how are you? <laughs> Very good, boys. It's, uh, yeah, it's not as if the AFL haven't had any practice I don't know how Gillan McLaughlin hasn't got more grey hair. He's either he's either a very calm person or he's uh, he's very good on the red wine to keep him relaxed. Or got a good barber, <laughs> or it's all of the above. But look, uh, they have they have got some battles on their hands, and the goalposts are getting moved. Not not by the day, but seen by the minute and by the hour. Hey, Corey, I was really interested in the last round. Melbourne took on the Bulldogs, and we both, I think, we both said we thought the Bulldogs would give them a real run for their money. Melbourne defensively was so good, weren't they? And it sort of reminded me, from from a cricket perspective, like Warney's such an attacking bowler, but when he could really turn the screws defensively, he could get wickets that way. Melbourne seemed to be able to do that. They're really good. It is uh, it is interesting. I mean, as much as we all uh, love it in, in today's society about attack, but yep. that old adage about defence winning winning championships, it, it seems to go a long way. And having uh, May and Lever back there is the, yeah. the real defensive pillars for Melbourne. It's... It's really given them look. They've they've really got all the makings of a of a team that can go a hell of a long way. It goes without saying when a team's ten and one, 
Yeah, it's it's in most sports, isn't it? We've seen it like, you know, Washington have just won the, the first game against Philly and they've done it by defence, by being all over Ben Simmons like a cheap suit. Um, now, what about Jeff Brown? Um, he was my boss at Channel 9. I always got on very well with Brown. He had a good sense of humour uh, and he loves Collingwood like Eddie does. They're close mates and he's, uh, he's put his hat in the ring. Yeah, it's interesting times at Collingwood. I, I think all those people that... Uh it seemed for a hell of a lot over the last two or three years where they all sort of thought, oh, yeah, is it time for Eddie to finish up? I think they know how good they had it with uh, Eddie McGuire now. that They had that mm. stability and, okay, did, did there certain things that maybe people were critical of with Ed, but it gave him that stability. He's got such a great presence and, it, and it's something that I've always – I mean, when North Melbourne had their successful periods or, or times – like even having having a chairman like a James Brayshaw or or Ron mm-hmm. Joseph that really give you a voice out there, and um, look, it, it is interesting times. Maybe you can give us more insight about Jeff Brown more than anyone. Yeah, well, I found him very reasonable and very fair, Jeff Brown. Well, he came in after Eddie was the boss of Nine, and uh, and no one really knew who he was. Well, I certainly didn't. North of the border, there wasn't a lot of understanding, but I found him very dynamic, very personable kind of guy. So look. He's got that charisma that you speak to, where he will get out there and get the get the organisation profile, and that that just cannot be underestimated. It can't be. And I heard you mention James and others. That people want to underestimate it, but they they do it at their own peril. Particularly in the world we live in now, with social media and and the ways to get your you know your your message out there. And I think I think that's one thing that maybe where where Mark Corder hasn't really nailed that aspect really well. Like that if I think in today's environment, and we all, we all love it, we all love someone that's speaking on our behalf. And I think Collingwood's no different to have one that really stands up for their own mob. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I think it, it goes a hell of a long way to be able to galvanise the troops and, and any time if anything happens, they get a voice, they get a clear, concise information. But if something else happens and have to stand up for the club, they can and it wasn't easy batting number three after Bradman, that's for sure. I tell you, another team not to underestimate is is Brisbane. Um, they smashed the Giants, 129 to 65 in the weekend, seven in a row. They are on a bit of a roll. You know, Shane, I, I actually thought after that win, they're they're really good at the moment, like where they're mm. just really building their season. Um, look, the other thing that that's happening, and and I think all the Essendon fans out there must be really pulling their hair out, is that. Danaher seems to be able to – he's got his body right. He's got his mm. mind right and his body right, and he's just getting more and more games into his body. Look, the way that they're building their season is actually it's, – it's, I like it because the only thing I worry about Melbourne is that when you're 10-1, and 1, you've got nowhere to go. Like <laughs> all the pressure's on you. And whereas I just like what the Brisbane Lions are doing, they're building their season, season nicely. They'll get Lockie Neal back in the coming weeks and look for this second part of the season. And the other thing that is more than likely going to happen, they could get a lot of games where they're, okay, they could be up in Brisbane. Mm. At worst, they only have to travel to Sydney. So their season's really set up a, a, a cracker, the Brisbane Lions. Mm. Yeah, and Chris Fagan just showing again what kind of leader he is, what kind of mentor he is. Now, now you mentioned Essendon might be upset with a couple of things, but look, they're real hope, aren't they, of being there in September. And I want to ask you about Essendon and also St Kilda. Now, we mentioned 
Melbourne haven't won the Premiership since 1964. You only have to click it back a couple of years to 1966, and that's when the Saints last won. But Jack Steele has come out and, you know, he got on the front foot and said, well, we're going to play finals footy. Yeah, I, I don't know when he means, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got to be confident, don't you? Actually, it's, it's probably just a ridiculous expectation to set at the moment, isn't it? Like, mm. why... I mean, to come out and say those sorts of things, it just puts pressure on the on the whole club that it probably doesn't need when they're... You know, I mean, they, they went all guns blazing and went and got a lot of... Uh, um, experienced players and the way that they were going about it. We all thought they progressed and they haven't. On a more positive and a realistic note, I think the Bombers, look, the Bombers <laughs> and their supporters, you just got to calm down a little bit. I think uh, <laughs> they've got some magnificent kids. I wouldn't even worry about finals at the moment. I think the kids that they went and got, they could have some kids that could set them up for a long crack at the finals over a long period of time. But, hey, in yeah. 2021, let's just leave them alone. The way that they're developing at the moment, I don't think all those kids need the weight of expectation because I tell you from experience, mm. Essendon supporters are marvellous in getting in front of themselves. Adrian Dodorio had, had copped a lot of criticism over the last few years. But, look, this one virtually just fell on his lap because all, all the, the draft picks they, they managed to pick up. But... Full credit to them. All that all of these kids that they went and got, they can seriously play. But let's let's just let's just put a lint on it. Thank you again, Corey, for your time, mate. As always, brilliant, buddy. Thanks again, bud. Not a problem, boys. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, Matilda, superstar of Australian soccer, Kaya Simon. Play Sport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to playsport.com. Play Sport, whatever moves you. Okay, we've got a very special guest on the show today, Kaya Simon. She's an Australian soccer player, um, currently playing in the Netherlands for PSV, um, and she's one of our most decorated players for the Matildas, approaching 100 caps, 93 uh, to be precise, and 24 goals. Welcome, Kaya. Hey, thanks for having me. So, Kaya, first question, um, how's the ankle? Yeah, it's good. It's been, um, yeah, about 10 or so weeks since surgery, 10 probably, yeah, going on to 11, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm back on the field. I'm in full training and, and yeah, part of games, which is which is nice. Um, it's been a very, um, yeah, I guess rough few months for me. So it's really nice to be back out on the park, you know, doing my craft again. Fantastic. Really, really good to hear. Now, um, quick question. So it's a race against time. I've been doing some mad research here trying to work out, have they announced the Olympic squad yet? And are you potentially included? What's the story there? Are they obviously monitoring your, your injury or, or where is it at from your end? Yeah, so we just recently received notification. Um, I'm not sure if it's gone live while I was at training in Australia yet. But yeah, I'm, I'm part of the, the squad, which is which is exciting for our friendlies coming up in Sweden. So, yeah, really looking forward to be back in camp with the girls and, yeah, I guess be a part of camp with Tony as the coach and, and see how it goes and, and his philosophy and style of play and, and just start to, yeah, work 
towards our, our goal, which is the, the Olympics. That is fantastic news. It's great to hear. Um, you made your debut for the Matildas at the age of 16. So looking back at the age of 29 now, how do you, how do you review your career? You've had some absolute highs um, and you've had some injuries as well, you know, missing out, I think it was the 2019 World Cup in France. Mm-hmm. How do you look back on your career so far? I know you've still got lots to go, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a journey to think um, that I'm, you know, clicking over to, uh, you know, 13, 14 years with the national team. I look back on it and there's definitely been, you know, the highs of highs and then the lows of lows. And I think that's the beauty of sport is that you really have to ride out the lows to get those highs. And I think that's something that I've learned throughout my career is, you know, that mental resilience that, you know, I've needed at tough times and, and, you know, at, at breaking point. And, um, yeah, I guess when I, when I experience those highs, I think back on what I've had to go through and endure to get to that point and it really does make it all worthwhile um, representing your country, playing at World Cups, Olympic Games, scoring for your country and I guess being in that environment with some of your really closest mates and people that have seen you through the tough times and then also you can celebrate those good times with. So, um, yeah, football's given me a lot of that and I think a lot of life lessons that I'm able to take away from football and I guess incorporating today to day life, um, and it's definitely made me the person I am today. Beautifully said. Um, and you mentioned Tony Gustavson, the new coach. What, what do you think he'll bring to the Matildas? Yeah, Tony. I've spoken to him a couple of times. Haven't been able to you know, actually meet him in person as yet, but I think he's got a wealth of experience um, with successful teams. And the first one that comes to mind is obviously the US, and, and he was there throughout some of their successful World Cup campaigns and. I think if, if there's a team to kind of, you know, emulate it, it would be that team in, in terms of a winning mentality and, and that extra edge that they have tended to have over other national teams around the world. And, yeah, I'm hoping that Tony can bring that into our squad and hopefully that'll get us across the line when it comes to major tournaments and big games. We hope so, yeah. Well, there's, there's big expectations. Um, I think the Matildas have been a fantastic team for, for a number of years now and building really well. We've got players all around the world like yourself performing in different tournaments at the top level. How do you think, and it's hard to say right now because we're not there yet, but what are our expectations going into the Olympics and and how do you think we'll go? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. I mean, I haven't been with the team for over a year now due to COVID and, um, yeah, obviously, you know, missed out on the last attempt due to having that surgery. But I've always backed our team and our ability going into any major tournament. And I think if you don't do that, as a professional athlete, you're already beaten um, before you get to the, the tournament. So, you know, I back our ability and I think that if we play our best game, we give ourselves the best opportunity. And if each individual plays for the max of their potential, then, you know, we give ourselves the best chance to be successful. And at the Olympics, you've got a smaller amount of teams than the World Cup. So you know that every game is going to be challenging. Every opponent is going to be just as tough as, as each other and, and we really have to be on our A game every match. Uh, we have a group of the US, uh, New Zealand and Sweden so by no means is it, is it easy but um, I don't think any teams going to the Olympics are, are, are an easy match. So yeah, we definitely have to bring our A game um, to every game that we play. Oh, well said. And um, you're a girl from Western Sydney originally. Who were your sporting idols growing up? Yeah, my sporting idol was definitely Kathy Freeman um, and I guess yeah, the, the thing that um, brought her really to the forefront of my mind was watching her at the 2000 Olympics and, uh, you know, we shared the same cultural background and 
her being an Indigenous, you know, strong role model, I think that really resonated with me and inspired me to, to follow my sporting dreams. And in a football sense, it was it was David Beckham. I loved Man United uh, growing up, and um, David Beckham was yeah, just a cool cat and and someone that you know I, I idolised as well in a football sense. So unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of female athletes portrayed through media and um, definitely not the Matildas at that time. So it was really hard to find other female athletes to look up to. And yeah, I guess, thankfully, Cathy was successful at the 2000 Olympics and it was, you know, shown all over TV and I was lucky enough to, to witness it from my home lounge room with my family. So yeah, I mean, I, I obviously owe a lot to her to for inspiring me to follow my dream. Well, it works. So you wind forward from 2000, 2015, um, you become the first Indigenous Matilda to score a goal in a World Cup against Brazil, which would have been amazing. Yeah, that was an amazing, amazing moment. I mean, being told that I am the first Indigenous player to score at a, at a World Cup is a pre- pretty amazing personal achievement for me and something I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of my culture and my heritage. And yeah, I, I think knowing what Cassie did and the impact she had on my life, creating history like that, I'm hoping that a moment like that can inspire other young Indigenous girls um, that might need a little bit more of a of a push or a little bit of inspiration to follow their own dreams. So definitely a proud moment for me and, and one that I'll never forget. You're dead right. I remember being there watching Cathy Freeman and she inspired more than just young girls. She inspired a whole nation, mm. which you're doing now. And I've got two young daughters, so <laughs> you're, you're, you're treading a very, very good path and, uh, and, and doing the same thing. Um, one, one quick question. Is, is there a goal that stands out in your career that you scored that you think, wow, even I didn't think I'd, I'd get that one in? Um, I mean, there's a, there's a couple. I was actually um, speaking to someone the other day on an interview and, and thinking about um, the, the different goals, I guess, throughout my career and which one stands out more than uh, the other. And there's a few for a different, I guess, different reasons. You never forget your first debut goal, and that was um, when I was 16 years of age in 2008, um, my first goal against Brazil, funnily enough. Um, so I'll never forget that one. And and then the one in 2015 against Brazil again, um, which, yeah, I guess enabled us to write our names in the history books to be the first team to get out of a knockout stage at a World Cup and we beat them 1-0 in Canada. So, yeah, they're two that definitely stick out for me and I'm hoping that there's more to come and, yeah, just really can't wait to get back in that green and gold and, and be back in with the girls. We can't wait for you to get back in the green and gold. And one, one final question, um, the, the Dutch final is coming up. Um, will PSV um, be involved in that and will you be fit to play that game before the Olympics or does the Olympics preclude you from playing? Yeah, uh, we have the cup final this weekend. It's against Ardo Den Haag and yeah, I'll be, be a part of, of the team and uh, how many minutes I play, I'm not too sure, but definitely be available and in the squad. So really looking forward to that um, if we can lift some silverware here with PSV um, before heading off for Matilda's camp and the Olympics. That would be, you know, a great send-off and and surely take some confidence into going into camp. Well, we wish you all the best, Kyra. Thank you so much for coming on Afternoon Sport. And um, um, I want to say good luck this weekend. I hope you get a few minutes on the ground. And I'm sure if you do, you, you'll, you'll perform as well as you always do. <laughs> and we'll be watching you very closely come the time when Matilda's hopefully um, you have a gold medal hanging around your neck in, in the not-too-distant future. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the chat. 
That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today to Kaya Simon, also to Corey McKernan, and a huge thank you to Spartan Sports. Yeah, www.spartansportshq.com. And a man that makes this happen, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh, will be back tomorrow afternoon for all your latest sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.